0: So today is the 17th of January. It's the day after the um, ending of Lumpo Cha's Memorial Day retreat in Wat Phum in Jangwapugwon. And I've just returned from that um, retreat time with Ajahn Tsong Chai and Ajahn Kaliano who's come over from Australia. So it's a good time. For me to come and speak to you um, about the Dhamma practice, and to have someone here to translate this, this into English as well. This year, at the Wat on meeting, they invited me to speak about the ways of practice and the core Wat from the days of Luang Por Cha when he was teaching, but. Having um, received this invitation I considered it and saw that there were still many senior monks from the Sangha still present at the monastery so I deferred and um, invited them to speak on these um, things and maybe in the future I will get the opportunity to speak to the greater Sangha about the core and the ways of training Uh, that Ajahn Chah used with monks. But I can speak to you on these issues today. Um, All of us have entered the Sangha here with the aim to find happiness and to end dukkha or suffering. But true happiness or real happiness doesn't arise from just getting what we want. That's the worldly kind of happiness what we know as Gama Sukali Kanu Yoga, the kind of happiness that comes from indulgence in pleasure, in comfort, in the senses. And this is something we must contemplate at the beginning of our practice and not be heedless because it's so easy to get stuck into it. The way to practice with this tendency to seek worldly happiness is to use the way of training, the monastic regulations, the coot, the ways of training which give us a standard of practice and conduct for our daily lives in the monastery and all of these ways of training help us to go against the grain of our desires we might have the thought, the view I should be able to stay in my kuti and just practice there to meditate and do my own chanting on my own and maybe just come out once every 15 days to join the rest of the sangha but really that kind of practice is for someone who is quite experienced and senior in the sangha already one who doesn't need to be told about um, the basic ways of training, they know them already, they know about the practice of moderation in the use of the requisites uh, moderation in consumption of food they know how to practice sense restraint as they are going around their business being mindful of uh, eye contact, ear contact and so on they know how to dedicate themselves to wakefulness, to sleeping little and putting a lot of effort into the, the practice of training the mind in meditation These are what we call the apanaka Upatipatā, the practices that are never wrong and someone who's experienced in the practice they'll know these they won't have to be told about them what to do and that person will be able to practice in this way but for one who is new to the practice whose faith is still fresh and only just starting to grow uh, that person will need some Firm and clear guidelines and standards on how to practice. So, we use the ways of practice, the monastic training rules, and so on, to help us um, to develop the, the Yapanaka Padipatha. So, for instance, uh, learning how to go against the desire to indulge in sleep. We have the morning meetings, we have to come out. Uh, and meditate and chant before we go out on Bindabhata even if we don't want to do this this is something we have to train in to go against that desire when we walk on Bindabhata into the village we have to practice sense restraint Indriya sangwara, learning to be mindful of how we walk how we uh, are looking not to look around <coughs> us without mindfulness to have our eyes cast down and to be mindful of the sense contact as we walk we have to learn how to be mindful when eating ask ourselves do I have mindfulness when I eat am I getting caught into liking or disliking for the food I'm eating we have to learn how to train ourselves not to give in to these moods and desires we have to learn how to not give in to the desire to indulge in sleep So we maybe take a standard say the minimum might be just 4 hours a night or maybe 5 hours we consider this, pick pick our standard and then try and work with that and this will help us to go against that tendency to indulge in sleep and work with the the hindrance of Thinamita sleepiness which comes up in the mind. When I was a young monk I had the view when I first came into the monastery I thought I didn't want to have any meetings coming out, group meetings but I actually saw this was an attachment, it was still a a fixed view I was holding on to in the mind and of course any attachment we have leads to suffering so this is actually something we must learn to give up learn to give up the attachment to views and opinions about the practice and to the conceit which forms around what we think we know we think we know best. This is the way of training particularly for a Nowaka monk, a new monk. They have to learn how to use the, the time, these early years in the monastery to be able to let go of various opinions and views that we might normally attach to. Perhaps the Majjima monk is a bit more experienced they, and they might go out and try staying on retreat somewhere in Huwaka on their own perhaps but even then it still depends on the person and how ready they are for that practice all of our dukkha ultimately comes down to the attachment we have to this body the comforts, the pleasures we seek with this body and taking this body as a self as me, as mine, belonging to me so this is where we must train to contemplate this coming to practice you will see that the. Practice of the core, mm-hmm. the monastic ways of training, requires much patience and endurance. Uh, we have to use this quality of patience all the way through the practice. We also have to learn how to teach ourselves, train ourselves. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we go to stay in a place where we don't feel comfortable, mm-hmm. we might feel afraid, uneasy or just not comfortable Um, this is because it helps to bring up mindfulness in the meditation Um, if you're in a place where you feel fear you're uncertain, you're not comfortable then you really have to put your effort into putting the mind focusing on to put home every moment to deal with the fear and the uncertainty that comes up but the result is that we get a very peaceful, awakened state of continued awareness if we just follow our desires well they'll tell us they don't want to be in such a place they don't want to go to a cremation ground they don't want want to go into a forest with animals or a lonely place our desires would rather be in a nice comfortable house where it's warm and cosy and we've got everything we want but of course in such a situation you wouldn't have much awareness or mindfulness and the practice wouldn't progress if you learn to go against desire your mindfulness will improve and become stronger from this samadhi will grow and the strength of mind that Bumpa emphasized as so important in the practice will come but to make the mind strong we have to develop sati and it's through the development of sati that we can overcome our mental proliferation and let go of it it's through the presence of sati that we can let go of the sense of self that normally forms around our experience when we go into the forest we stay at the root of a tree we stay in a cremation ground on a mountain top, these kind of places Um, this is where we can develop mindfulness in this way when I was young I used to practice going out into the charnel ground first it would be the charnel ground at the back of what number near the old dine shed sometimes I'd go out and stay there and sit meditation at night it seemed like Uncle Cha would know what was going on sometimes he'd be walking around the monastery and he'd just quietly walk past when he got to me he'd just cough gently to let me know he was there and maybe ask who's that there sitting meditation I'd answer my name and he'd just quietly walk on he seemed to know who was there and he was just checking on the practice in my second panza I went to stay in the charnel ground and there was so much fear that my body became very tight and tense and would even start shaking with fear sometimes I could tell because when I was holding my lantern, my hand would be shaking. I've used chanting to help to steady the mind, and bring out mindfulness. So I do the evening chanting: recollection of the Buddha, recollection of the Dharma, recollection of the Sangha. But by the time I reached the chanting of Sankhanusati, the shaking started to come on strong, and I just wanted to stop. Or I just wanted to crawl into my grot and not have anything to do with anything if one had a lot of moha or delusion at this point you would just feel like you wanted to die through the presence of delusion because you didn't know how to deal with the fear but as mindfulness increases then the fear starts to dissipate from the mind as I kept practicing like this then I found that the mind became stronger and braver I could actually leave my grot and start walking meditation amongst the bones and left leftover corpses in the cremation ground I really had to struggle with mental proliferation though if the attachment to pleasures and pleasurable sense contact it just leads to liking and more mental proliferation the unpleasant sense contacts leads to aversion and fear so what you have to do is learn to transcend these moods using sati, using samadhi and wisdom the result of that is that you can let go, abandon these moods in my 4th and 5th answer I took the chance to go and stay in the cremation ground of Nongel. there again was full of fear but I just made my mind firm with mindfulness using buttho and when the mind was fixed on buttho then that fear would fade and piti and sukha and samadhi would arise in its place if there was no sati there would be fear it was as simple as that so we have to use patience and endurance Uh, especially because we haven't got samadhi all the time sometimes during the day I could see my Samadhi wasn't sustained so I had to use endurance and patience to keep, to keep reapplying efforts in the practice to develop mindfulness sometimes we need patience to deal with the different conditions it's hot, it's cold, sometimes it's was raining sometimes you get stuck under your grot just soaking wet from the rain but because you are searching for the Dhamma you are prepared to put up with these difficulties and these difficulties are a cause for wisdom uh, to arise and for, the pro- for you to progress in the practice if you just get stuck in pleasure then of course you won't see the Dhamma if you let your mind proliferate about sense pleasures Lumpo ta- this is the place where the practice dies he said where we are born into sense pleasures is where we will die for example he pick up a glass of orange juice and say this can be the death of your meditation so we have to learn how to practice to develop sati in all postures and contemplating the use of the four requisites if the mind is not attached to the different requisites that we use then it can be peaceful and peaceful easily but if the kalesas are strong then the mind will seem to be very stubborn when the mind is stubborn it doesn't want to listen to anyone doesn't want to respect anyone this is why Lumpur Cha emphasized that we have to learn how to respect the other members of the community we show respect for those senior monks and we have to know who is senior to us, we have to remember that we also have to have mutual respect for our equals and for the juniors kindness for the junior members of the community but with everyone we have to learn to be humble we have to go against our pride and conceit which is a reflection of Kilesa Lumpur Cha taught that we have to remember when somebody new is ordained they shave their head they come into the Sangha you have to remember straight away whether they are senior or junior to you once that's established then you always have to show respect to those who are senior to you if we don't know how to show respect to others uh, to the more senior ones or we don't have any mentor for the junior ones there will be no progress for us in the practice and there will be no harmony in the community if we do have these things this will support the whole religion and our personal practice within it and will be very strong sometimes we can be conceited we think we know everything we think we know best we think we have more experience than others we come from a better background than others and so on but don't let your mind get caught into this use again, use patience and endurance to go against these kind of desires and the different conditions that come up through the presence of pride and conceit so, using the practice of patient endurance to go against the Kalesa, it's natural the sense of self will come up in different forms. There'll be resistance, there'll be pride, conceit, attachment to different views, and so on. So, we must use patient endurance, and the way we use this, develop this quality, is through firstly the practice of our Sila, our virtuous monks we have to follow the vinaya discipline and we have to contemplate and observe how this sense of self comes up how we express it in our external conduct how our attachment to liking and disliking and preferences comes out in our conduct and how it creates suffering in the mind so we use samadhi uh, the firmness of mind the composure of mind and this patient endurance uh, these qualities we use them to let go of this sense of self that comes up in this way and this is the way we will find peace Lumpur used to send the monks out at the beginning of Vasa to different branch monasteries and sometimes they go to a very quiet place where they have lots of time to practice meditation sometimes they go to a more busy monastery or where there was a new monastery where they are building and they might find they ended up spending a lot of the panza time building and they got tired and sleepy from that and then they'd start to grumble that they're not meditating enough but really all of these, these kind of experiences are food for practice, food for insight food for letting go these days actually we're quite well off, we're lucky we don't need to build or, or do so much work in the monasteries the monastery like this, they're, they're very well looked after and well established already so we have much more of a chance to just practice sitting and walking meditation in the end though the important thing is to learn to let go and go against our desires because that's what makes the mind strong that's what brings up this patience and endurance if there's no patience and endurance then even a little bit of dukkha will cause all kinds of problems in the mind we won't be able to solve it, we won't be able to let go of it So we must learn how to be patient with conditions and different situations and with ourselves. If we don't learn how to respect the other members of the community and particularly senior monks then we'll also have a lot of suffering, a lot of problems. Say in Lumpur teachings in his Sangha one doesn't have, say one's a junior monk, Nawaka monk and one isn't able to show respect for a Majjhima or a Tera this is of the very coarsest behavior very careless if we're openly disrespectful of someone so senior we have to remember that the more senior members of the community they help to run the monastery and we have a debt to them maybe they were our chanting Acharya when we ordained maybe they taught us things how to look after our bowls and robes and so on so we have to learn how to repay that debt. We practice a watcher, We learn how to wash the bowl of a senior monk, wash his feet. As you're doing this, you're letting go of your own attachment to conceit and views. Um, if our mind is full of views and conceit, it's like a glass that's full of water. It can't accept any new liquid, anything else, because it's full already. Um, before you can receive any new stuff into that water that glass, you have to pour the water out first this is like our mind, we have to let go of some of the the conceits and views we have in order to receive the Dhamma sometimes we think we know everything, we know the practice we've read the books, we've heard different teachers, we think we really know everything but if you can just give up and follow the way Lumpur Cha taught you'll find that this is really the true way to peace the way that comes from letting go of this sense of self letting go on the level of sila and letting go on the level of gamatana so we have this chance to practice here we have the chance to see how the mind runs after its moods and to see how all the different moods of the mind are uncertain when we have pleasant experiences it leads to liking when we have unpleasant experiences it leads to disliking if we are on our own maybe, we won't even see these moves we'll just be getting lost into them, they'll just be Dhamma or Ramana it's just mental phenomena coming up and taking over the mind and we won't even see it happening So Vipocha said, always practice mindfulness bring it back to developing sati in the present moment and developing Indriya samvara, having mindfulness of all the six senses whenever there's sense contact contemplate that contact and then let it go it's normal though, when we come to practice in a monastery there will be many different characters, character types around us each monk has his own character type, his own jirita and they're, they're different, some we like, some we don't like it's a bit like blood groups, some mix together well, some don't the deciding thing about, uh, between people is this, their character or their j- jirita their these internal characteristics which the, the mind ten, tends to hold on to and that, that, that become, become part of the character but these are actually things you can be aware of you can know, you can know your Jarata but you don't have to attach to it you just know oh, this is the way it is this is the way my Jarata is this is the way someone else's Jarata is if you're mindful of someone's character it doesn't have to be a cause of suffering or a cause of disharmony when I was a young monk I found there were other monks that I had difficulty getting on with there was particularly one monk who I couldn't get on with at Wat Nambakong in the early days he was junior to me but he didn't accept me or show much respect towards me I found if I had lots of metta and I I could bring up thoughts of metta then it's alright I could cope with it, I I could handle it and the mind would feel very comfortable and at ease but when there's no metta you lose your coolness, there's just confusion and anger especially if someone's out there provoking you, stirring you up if it's someone junior you might think, oh this monk is junior to me, why is he like this? why is he not respectful? but you have to use these opportunities to contemplate and develop your patience and your endurance it might lead to some dukkha in the present, some suffering in the present, as you learn to restrain yourself and not give in to in, into your unwholesome tendencies that come up. But in the long run, it gives sukha as a vibhaka, it gives peace and happiness as its result. And the mind gets the strength that it needs in the practice. So, Lumpachara encouraged the practice of tudangawat, the ascetic practices, just like his teacher Mandi but these bring up strength of mind and endurance even here in what Map done in the early days the monks had to have a lot of patience and endurance things weren't as easy as they are now many of the monks, many many of the monks got malaria many times and some even almost died from it, it was so, so strong in the early days there wasn't the comforts that there are now, we didn't have a car, so you had to walk everywhere on Bindabhata and had to walk for many kilometres so by the time you got back to the monastery after Bindabhata you could be quite tired and worn out we really had to learn how to be frugal and to be content with little Lumpur Cha used to teach this in different ways sometimes he used the examples of things around say like one time he was having us collect the rocks from the side of the Abodada Hall uh, he had, gave it to us as a work project, collecting up these rocks maybe for half an hour or an hour uh, some of the monks might have been thinking, oh this is a waste of time, why is he having us do this? but Lumpo Cha taught us to contemplate these rocks, he said these rocks they have value before you can get rocks that you can use like as gravel or chippings in a building project they start off as part of a mountain and then it have to be exploded and dug out and then ground down and uh, ground down. And then, then once they're made into chippings, they have to be transported here to the monastery or wherever they use. This is a simile, isn't it? We have to think about it. So they compare this to the Buddha. Before the Buddha became a Buddha, he had to go through so much to become enlightened. He had to. Um, smooth out so many rough edges, just like those rocks so don't forget the basic, simple, ascetic practices learning how to keep your three robes and maybe even using pang sakula robes cast off cloth learn how to eat binda for food, just be content with whatever food they offer, and the lay people offer even practice using fermented urine as medicine see these basic standards, this, this is all you can expect as a Buddhist monk when you contemplate this it brings up a sense of contentment and with this you get an ease of mind with lay people, don't be seeking to get things from them if nobody makes any offers, well don't ask, just accept and it's not possible to get that thing you might be wanting this is the way of practice that develops strength of mind, develops the patience and endurance that will support the arising of states of samadhi learning to let go of desires learn not to follow your desires if you see a sight that you really want to look at, say you look once and then you notice your your desire come up refuse to look a second time, don't look a second time say you see a young girl once and the mind just wants to keep looking ask yourself well, why aren't you looking at an old person, a granny? practice in this way, challenge your own desires practice a super contemplate the un- unattractive side of people in this way to contemplate means to go against desire and to actually see desire if we can practice this a lot then, then we will find we can get progress in the practice once we become more experienced in the practice of korwa and the monastic ways of training and we understand the Patimokasila, how to practice it, we've learned the rules and we've developed this sense of contentedness ease in the use of requisites we, know, we contemplate the use of the requisites regularly um, we've learned how to Keep a purity of sila, so we're not always seeking things, asking people for things, and so on. That means the mind is ripe and ready for further development of the practice of sati and the development of samadhi. You have to see that the practice of sila or virtue is the very foundation for the development of samadhi, it grows out of it. Even as a layperson, I was already practicing the five precepts and the eight precepts on some times and, and practice meditation regularly and I could see how the precepts supported the practice of meditation in the lay, lay life So for a year or two before I became a monk this is how I practiced and practicing like this as a lay person I already started to contemplate the nature of the world to see the separation between that which is the apparent reality, the superficial reality what we call Samuti Satcha of the world and in Vimuti the liberation that comes through seeing through the superficial appearance of things and getting through to see the, the true nature of existence Could see how, I could see how we tend to attach to Samuti the, the apparent appearance of things uh, Whereas deep down, in essence, uh, the things of this world are really just elements, dhatu, that arise and pass away. And there's no self involved in that, there's no me or mine in any of that. This is the wisdom that sees vimuti, the, the way to transcendence or liberation. And it gives rise to piti and sukha. And even over time, the vipassanayana, all the nine vipassana insight knowledges the result of this in the mind is it sobers the mind the mind sobers up, it starts to tire of attachment it turns away from the world and turns away from kilesha and attachment to the world with this one has an increase in sata or basic basic faith and confidence in the practice with this there is less and less doubt satar or faith that arises through the practice in this way is backed by wisdom from the experience in the practice and it naturally gives rise to a lot of energy and confidence to practice sati one knows this is the right thing to do it's the right way to go still of course some days the practice would go well some days not so well Um, but one just keeps practicing with faith and it's with this basis of faith based on experience that leads to consistent practice, consistent effort that leads to peace of mind and one has the sense that if I keep practicing then I'll experience more happiness, more contentment than I do now if I only keep doing this same way of practice this is the happiness, the contentment that comes from within the mind it's independent of the world, independent of material things it's formed of pity and sukha that come through the practice and when one has this kind of pity and sukha then even if somebody brought you a big pile of gold placed it in front of you, you wouldn't be interested in it Maga Pala is far more important when the mind is like this this is the mood I had though when I wanted to ordain as a monk and I came to Wapapong to to train to enter the Sangha with Lumpur this was the most important thing in life the attainment and development of Margapala if we want to get quick results in the practice we must learn how to give up to the practice we have to be firm in focusing on our meditation object and we have to learn how to practice without stopping without giving it up we have to go and stay in places like frightening places, lonely places places that put us on edge and make us very wakeful and alert we have to learn how to eat little, sleep little and talk little and maybe after time this is what will give rise to Bhavana Mayapanya the the wisdom that arises out of uh, the practice of Bhavana this is no longer thought, just thinking about the practice just sanya but this is real knowledge and vision of things as they are Uh, this is the kind of knowledge and vision that allows the mind or makes the mind see people more like just puppets, lifeless puppets walking around or like when you go to see an autopsy you can contemplate uh, death and its implications how when we die we must leave everything behind everything in this world and everything to do with this body when we die, we leave our body behind, it just becomes valueless we just take it away and bury it or burn it so why when we are are alive do we get so angry, so excited, so jealous, so greedy? it's because of delusion it's because of not seeing through this samuti satya, the apparent nature of reality and not experiencing the freedom of vimuti, or liberation when we contemplate, though, we first will we'll experience temporary liberation of mind, tatanga, tatanga vimuti. This comes through the temporary unification of the power factors, the sila, samadhi, and panya in the mind. In my fourth, pamsa, fourth fourth vasa, I practiced sitting and walking many hours per day. Sometimes, though, I was still tired because of that, and so I still experienced sleepiness. Bumpo Cha taught many ways to deal with sleepiness how to get through it to use endurance to find skillful ubayas to, to um, bring out mindfulness when you're sleeping to sit on the edge of a well or if walking meditation you're falling asleep then walk backwards uh, or even occasionally to go up and sit on the bell tower but of course that, that's a bit dangerous one has to come down if one's not really ready to do that Lumpur Chah taught us to contemplate a Gaya Gada Sati mindfulness of the body and co- contemplate the asuka, the corpse meditations the Buddha had said look at the body, contemplate it once the mind is peace with, peaceful, peaceful with samadhi use that state to look at this body and contemplate it maybe we are closer to Nibbāna than we think sometimes we have to learn to, to con- turn to and contemplate a sukha. this is what will give rise to the pity and sukha that comes as the mind separates from its normal attachments as it starts to see the body as a corpse in different ways maybe it will even enter apana samadhi go in very deep and then come out and we can contemplate the body and see it very clearly this is what this is the kind of contemplation that leads to the arising of the Gita. that sense of the mind that is like outside of the world, completely detached from the world and outside of the world this kind of experience can arise for a long time maybe up to six months that year after my fourth month of practicing like this for many months by the time I reached June of the next year, um, I had had the experience where I saw my hair falling out of my body. Quite naturally, this experience occurred in the mind. The mind that was peaceful, coming out of our panasmati. see the hair drop away, and that sense of self diminishes or disappears at that time. You can see the whole body is empty of self. You can see it just as four elements only this kind of experience leads to the end of doubt the end of blind attachment to rituals and external practices and the end of psychiatry or self-view and there's of course there is enough sati, mindfulness present there is enough wisdom present in the mind that one doesn't even attach to the dhamma these natural Phenomena that one is experiencing in the practice, seeing the true essence, the true nature of reality. One doesn't have a sense of self forming around that kind of insight knowledge. One doesn't have a sense of self forming around the pity or the sukha that arises at that time. But it's a state that one really puts one beyond words, beyond anything that one can describe in words. So there's not much one can say about it. It's something just to be known by the individual for themselves The a state that is free of attachment free of a sense of self free of a sense of me, mine or any kind of ownership and it changes one's whole perception or view of this body and this mind the body and mind no longer seems to be me or mine and again this, this is what leads to the fading away of um, blind grasping and attaching, attaching at rituals and external practices the fading away of doubt and uncertainty and the fading away of psychiatry self-view and this is where the path is seen clearly one can see the path that led to this point the path that was dependent on faith, on effort on mindfulness, on concentration and Uh, wisdom that arises through the practice one can see that how with these these qualities these different faculties emerging developing together maturing maturing and ripening in the mind Uh, they gradually bring the mind to the point where it is established in mindfulness and wisdom so please determine yourself to practice in this way following this path So as we practice in this way the development of samadhi firm, peaceful states of mind becomes easier. This is because the practice of sati, mindfulness in the middle of all these wholesome qualities that are arising in the practice it's there firm and sustained. Watching over the mind it keeps the mind, uh, makes the mind very careful the mind is very aware of the dangers to the practice so it wants to stay away from them and this is what makes it easier to practice this is the the wisdom, the experience that arises and the firmness of the mind from the continued presence of mindfulness of course this is what allows us to practice the foundations of mindfulness to contemplate with sati to see the body in the body, feelings in feelings Uh, to contemplate and have the mindfulness present when there is sense contact to let go of this sense of self which forms around sense contact and particularly the feeling, the weight that arises with sense contact through contemplation based on clear seeing, clear awareness of uh, the sense contact and the feeling that arises to clearly know the state of mind whether it's wholesome akusala, unwholesome akusala to clearly know that with mindfulness, see that and to see the uncertainty of the mind to see that it is a conditioned thing dependent on the different conditions these wholesome unwholesome moods arise they are not really a self they are dependent conditions and this is what, this kind of seeing allows us to let go of things let go of this body and this mind to, to transcend the five hindrances becomes easier to see the five candors and let go of them is easier this is because our wisdom becomes sharper and more sustained um, after this the practice seems to spin by itself it has its own momentum and it's a sense of the. All those qualities are there, present, spinning, set in motion now, uh, and sustained. Of course in the beginning one has to use endurance and patience and has to struggle a lot. Uh, but it's out of this practice of patience and endurance that the mind becomes braver. It's out of this struggle to go against our desires and habits. That we gain energy and this, this maturity of mind. When you reach this point, you don't need to tell the mind to practice anymore, it just does it. This is when there's samadhi presence, when there's pity and sukha arising, and the mind is right to see the Dhamma. Of course, it has to be difficult in the beginning because of that struggle, because of our former desires and attachments and habits, our emotions and feelings which come up so much. Um, especially for those of you who have come here from abroad you have to get used to a whole new set of conditions: different weather, different culture, different language it's less comfortable than what you're used to so naturally all kinds of desires and reactions and emotional stuff will come up um, Lumpur Cha said it's a bit like being someone who's reborn from the dead in a new place so this is all the more reason why you have to use patience and endurance to deal with this but please try to practice uh, so that you can find these virtues and wholesome qualities I've been discussing tonight in your own heart, in your own mind don't give up keep using the meditation techniques keep using buddho the recollection of death the recollection of the breath and the asupagamatanas keep applying your mind to them any nimita, any visual image that arises in your imagination, in your mind use sanya at first, just your ordinary way of thinking to contemplate it to you bring the dharma to contemplate that image don't give in to the, your moods, don't give in to different images and imaginations that arise if raga arises, don't give in to it, we've been giving in to it for so many lifetimes now and that pleasure that we seek, don't give in to it anymore you have to contemplate it and try to find the happiness that arises from the samadhi and the wisdom that comes as we contemplate this is far more refined, far more satisfying to the mind and this is what comes when we contemplate and we can see that this body and mind are just elements there is no real substantial self in them they are just emptiness so please try to develop the practice in this way Andamayanga vadakata sadhu